Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we're going to look at the second of two metaphors Jesus employed in his Sermon on the Mount to describe the influence his faithful people are to have in the world. Last week, we looked at the first one. We are to be the salt of the earth. This week in Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16, Jesus tells us that we are the light of the world. Yes, disciples of Jesus Christ Christians, believers, are told to be salt and light in a lost world. And that's true even though that same lost world is hostile to Jesus and his followers. So if it's our responsibility, how can we be sure we're shining the light the way we're intended to? Is your light shining through your life in a way that points to and glorifies God? Or does your life look so much like the rest of the world of unbelief that you appear as unlit as the next person. Well, I pray this week's message will inspire you to examine your own life and motivate you to make the changes you need to so that your lamp isn't hidden under a basket, but set on the light stand where it sheds light into a dark world. Here is today's slice of the sermon entitled, The Light of the World. Now come back with me to our studies in the Sermon on the Mount. You probably know by now the Sermon on the Mount is there's a pieces of it in Mark and in Luke, but uh, also in Matthew is the major record of this, the longest consecutive uh, record of anything that Jesus taught in one place at one time. I'm sure it was not every word that he said. This is the inspired, edited version, if you will, that is here for our edification until We are with the Lord. Now, so far in the Sermon on the Mount, we've taken our sweet time to uh, go one verse at a time through the so-called Beatitudes or the the blessings. That's where Jesus gives the, the basic, if you will, sort of a composite drawing of what disciples, true disciples, look like. The, the whole sermon has rightly been described as Jesus' exposition on the theme, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You see that in chapter 4, verse 17. That's what he started preaching when he came on the scene. That's what John the Baptist had preached when he um, was the forerunner for the Savior. Those who repent are the ones touched by God who have responded to him in faith, and those people begin to manifest the characteristics that he described as blessed. We've worked our way through the list. True disciples are those who are poor in spirit, who mourn over sin, who are gentle or meek. They hunger and thirst for righteousness. They are merciful, they're pure in heart, and they're peacemakers. And then the final blessing that Jesus pronounced was on people who endure persecution and false accusation for living the kind of lives described by that array of character qualities that he has described there. So, uh, if you will, those 
final verses of the uh, Beatitudes describe how the world reacts to Christians. Now we move into how Jesus intends for Christians to interact with the world, how we should affect the world. And he brings to this the conclusion, if you will, this description, this picture of spiritual life related to the kingdom of heaven in two metaphors that Jesus used to describe our impact on the world. Both metaphors connote the concept of influence, but each describes a different kind of influence. We saw the first one last week, Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, we are like salt. Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Now, in the culture of that time, salt was precious. It wasn't what we think of as salt. I mean, it was still uh, the same compound, but theirs was not used anywhere near as much for a seasoning as it was a preservative. It would be rubbed into meat in order to retard the decay process. If you didn't have a freezer or a refrigerator, you had to have some way to keep your meat from uh, spoiling rather quickly. And so Jesus is saying that we are like that in the world. And He says, you plural, and he's talking to the people who were his genuine disciples. Remember, just that morning he had named the 13 apostles. So he's addressing himself to the apostles and the, and the true believers, and listening in are the ones that he's going to, well, I think, theologically skewer and dismantle in the rest of this sermon, the scribes and the Pharisees. And he says, you folks... You who are following me, not some elite group of hyper-spiritual super saints, you are the ones who are the, to be my instruments in the world, my influence for righteousness that will slow down the tidal wave of moral corruption that is coming. Now, the salt with which the original listeners to this sermon were familiar was salt mined around the Dead Sea, a sea that had no uh, outflow. So as it evaporated, it became saltier and saltier. Hence, it's the Dead Sea. It's so salty, you can lay on your back and float there without anything inflated underneath you. If you go to Israel, you've got to get your picture taken bobbing around in the, in the, in the Dead Sea. Well, this salt was not completely pure because uh, it was... Uh, infiltrated with other compounds that caused it to have a limited shelf life. The other components would would interact with the moisture in the air and with other things, and, and the, the salt would lose its saltiness, lose its effectiveness as a preservative. And when it got to that point, they would throw it out into the street. You would ne- never put it in your garden because then nothing would grow. You would put it in the street to keep the street uh, clear of, of weeds and keep it, um, and keep it dry and, and keep it as smooth as you, as you possibly could. By calling attention to that aspect of salt, that the salt they understood could lose its saltiness, I think it's pretty obvious that Jesus was making an application to the misplaced pseudo-spirituality of the scribes and the Pharisees. 
those religious leaders who had the right information. They had the word. They had the scriptures. But they had twisted it and perverted it so much that they, spiritually speaking, were as useless as unsalty so-called salt. And it comes to changing people's lives for the glory of God. They truly were worthless because they were putting people in bondage, not setting them free. Jesus made it clear the regular folks who responded to his message were the ones that he was going to use to influence the world. And remember, you is emphatic. You and you alone, just like the you in all of, or you or the they in all of the, the Beatitudes. Only people like this are the salt of the earth. Well, today we're going to fill out that analogy, if you will, the, the metaphors for influence. The second of the two metaphors, metaphors is where Jesus says, you are the light of the world. Fasten your seatbelts. We're going to equal our record for the most verses in one week so far in the Sermon on the Mount, three of them today. We're going to actually take bigger paragraphs on uh, coming Lord's days as we work our way through this. But this is very simple. Verses 14 and 15, you are light, you cannot hide. And then verse 16, your mission is to shine for the glory of God. It's really not a difficult passage. It's the application of this passage that you have to work on for the rest of your life. And it, it has to continually be tweaked and refined and adjusted and responded to with sensitivity and wisdom as you work through the various situations of your life. But let's dive in. You are light, you cannot hide, starting in verse 14. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Now, do you perceive that in both of these metaphors, salt and light, there's a presupposition behind them? The presupposition behind the metaphor of of being salt is that the world is in the grips of corruption. The presupposition behind the metaphor, you are light, is that the world is in darkness. The world is corrupt, and it is further decaying, and it is dark, and it's darkening. The world has no innate goodness to build upon. The world is populated by several billion totally depraved inhabitants who, given time, make it worse and worse simply by living according to their nature. It's corrupt and it's dark. Now, there are temporary aberrations to the contrary. I mean, people can do nice things every once in a while, but the world cannot overall do anything except get Worse and worse. Remember how Paul warned Timothy about his ministry in the city of Ephesus, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 13. He says, But evil men and imposters will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. He left Timothy there to teach certain men not to teach strange doctrines. And he says, And by the way, that's really important that you take care of that in the church because they're not going to soften their message. They're only going to get worse. You have to ameliorate their influence on the people of God. My friends, you understand salvation is nothing less 
than deliverance from total darkness to light? If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.